always going to remind you that you can follow along uh, with the message if you go to our, our app. And, um, and it's, you just look up custom church apps and download that. And then when it asks you to find your church, you just look for Unity Point Church. Find one that says it's here. There's only about two. There used to only be one. It was us. Now there's a, now there's a couple of them that have unity. See, people trying to follow. I know how that is. You know, all over the country, they're just trying to follow. So you can uh, you can follow along with the message today and um, and be able to fill in the blanks and all that fun stuff as we're as we're going. So it's good stuff. Uh, we're still in Hebrews six. We didn't finish up really all of Hebrews six last week, so we're going to be starting with verse nine today. Um, last week we kind of talked through a a uh, bit of a sticky topic about salvation, and I honestly uh, try to focus my thoughts from that passage, the first part of six, not so much about losing or not losing salvation, but on understanding what it means to truly surrender to Christ. I, I was, it always bugs me when we focus too much on the, on the negative aspect of something instead of focus on the positive aspect. It's kind of like, you know, um, Psychologically, if you teach somebody not to do something because they might get caught versus do the right thing because it's the right thing, you, uh, over time you have a lot more success if you teach people, and you teach whether it's kids or ourselves or coworkers or anything, if you teach people to do the right thing because it's the right thing versus don't do this because if you get caught you'll get in trouble, right? Um, it's, it's understanding, understanding why we do something. And so I think it's so important that we focus on what it really means to surrender to Christ. And even in military terms, which is an imperfect comparison to spiritual things, uh, surrender involved laying down your weapons and yielding authority to somebody or something else. When you, if you ever look back and you see historically these instances where they would take these pictures where at the end of a battle that there was a surrender taking place, you would see that the, uh, and this goes, this goes all the way back, they would come and bring, whether it was a literal sword that, that they would fight with or if it was even for like generals and stuff that it was more for show, but they would bring that, that sword and they would surrender that to the other force to be able to, to indicate I'm giving up all my rights to fight. I'm giving up all my rights to be in authority. And I'm saying I surrender everything to you. And that's what salvation is. It's not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It is a... I did say the word, Dennis, wherever you went. It, that's not what it is. It's, it's about yielding to Christ. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. We, I, I, again, I'm going to remind you that we've erroneously let people think that salvation was just, hey, I prayed a prayer. The words aren't doing anything. It's about your heart. It's about what's happening inside you. It's not that you, you know, said the right thing. I mean, I mean, you guys all know. You know in your real life that you have looked at people and said the right thing, and you know more minute than anything, right? Some of y'all have looked at somebody and said, oh, yeah, I love you, and I appreciate you, and I forgive you, and you got in the car... And you might not have said some bad words, but if you would have spit, the grass would have died. Right? Because you were just sitting there thinking, I mean, you said the right words. You just didn't mean them. You know, so it's not about saying the right thing. It's about what you mean. It's about doing and believing. That's why it's not that important. When, when you come to God and people say, well, I don't know what I need to pray. Well, then that's okay. Just talk to God. 
Right? Just tell God, God, I don't know what I need to say to you. I don't have to say, well, you know, this and this and this and this. But God, I don't know what to say to you. I just know I need you. The Bible even talks about, says that when you reach that point where you don't even know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit will make intercession for you because it, it, with, with groanings and words that can't even be uttered, He will pray the perfect prayer for you because you don't know what to say. Salvation is all about that full surrender of our lives to the authority of Jesus Christ. And, and as a side benefit, and I know this seems weird, but as a side benefit, we get our eternal destination changed. Sometimes I think we start there. We start there by trying to convince people, hey, you need to do this so that your eternal destination is not here. Versus, you know, you can go to heaven. And that's not where our, the, the Bible says it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. It is about letting people see who God is and know who God is and understanding we come to Him not so we don't have to go to hell. We come to Him because God so loved the world. Because a God who could have said, you guys are no good, I made you, but you made a bad choice, and all that stuff instead turns around and says, I love you. My son will come and die for you because I want to have a relationship with you. That's, that's the gospel. So, let me repeat that. Salvation is not focused on not going to hell. Because that's a focus that's 100% on us. But when we focus 100% on who Jesus is, that he's the Lord of all, that he's the King of kings, we acknowledge his authority in our lives by surrendering to him, proclaiming him, to be in charge of our lives. It's all about who He is, and as a result, we receive what He can do. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18 says this. See, we all know John 3, 16. Stephen and I, he'll mention this all along. He'll say, people stop at John 3, 16, and they don't read 17 and all that, right? John 3, 16, you guys all know this. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son in the world that He might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Anyone who believes in Him, catch this, anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. See, everything about salvation is about believing in God. It's about believing in who Jesus is. It'd kind of like be saying, you know, I, I'm going to get married, so I'll quit messing around, you know. Well, I mean, no. <laughs> you need to get married because you love them, right? You need to get married. You know, well, I did that, so it'd be legal. Well, <laughs> okay. You know, you probably need to do that too, right? <laughs> if that's what, you know. But this needs to be because, see, it's, it's about the focus. It's you can try to do some activity, but you're not doing stuff for the right reasons. Who God is is important, and believing in Him is important. There were some people in, a, in an asylum, and it was the middle of the night, and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, one guy yells out and goes, I'm Napoleon! Nobody says anything, you know. And the guy yells again and says, Do y'all not hear me? I'm Napoleon! Somebody else yells out and says, How do you know? The guy yells back and says, because God told me so. Somebody else yelled, I did not. <laughs> you know, 
you know, who, who you are and being able to believe in who you are matters, right? Right. That matters. Um, we're going to pray and then we're going to read this, this Hebrews 6, 9 through 20 and, and dive into that. But let's pray over God's word. God, thank you. I thank you even for moments, God, of laughter. Your, your word says that laughter is like medicine. And it just, it does. And it literally, scientifically does powerful things into our, our actual bodies. And so, God, I pray today that you help us to focus on who you are and understanding when we come to you that we believe in you, we believe in your son Jesus Christ, that that is the key. We don't serve you out of a fear of going to hell. We don't come to you because of a fear of going to hell. We come to you because you are gracious and merciful and full of love and wonder. And you save us from ourselves and from our decisions. And so, God, I pray that you will help us to open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word today so that we can receive from you what you want to give us. Because you do want to change every single one of us today through your word. Not through the words that I say. not through, But God, you will take and enlighten the word into our hearts and change us. We just pray and believe this in Jesus' name. And the church together said, Amen. So if you aren't there already, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 9. If you're there, say Amen. Actually, I uh, and I heard a I heard a guy on a uh, on a podcast say this week, and I thought it was a funny thing, and it stood out to me. And I was like, I wish I'd come up with that because that would have been a cool original thing. He said, "Turn your Bibles on, <laughs> right?" Because most everybody, you know, like open your Bibles to, and he goes, "Turn your Bibles on and scroll to." <laughs> that was pretty good. Hebrews chapter six, beginning with verse nine, and I'm reading out of uh, HCSB. Um, even though we're speaking this way, dear friends, in your case, we're confident of the better things connected with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you showed for His name when you served the saints, and you continue to serve them. Now we want each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the final realization of your hope so that you won't become lazy but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show His unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, He guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for our lives, safe and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So the author points out a couple of things. One of the first things he points out is that he says God's not going to forget the work and the love that they had demonstrated when they were serving other believers. And, and he indicated they were still diligent. They said that you're continuing to do that, you know, even now. And 
honestly, I think it's one of the one of the fallacies that would come up was we look around and go, well, man, if people come to church all the time and if they come to church work days or whatever stuff like that, man, everything must be great, right? Everything must be right. And he's saying to them here, he says, look, God sees all that and God appreciates that and God, God will honor that. He said, but... That doesn't mean that you're focused in your spiritual life. It doesn't mean that you are... There's a lot of people, they would rather come work on something. They would rather go participate in something in the community than to sit down and read God's Word or pray or, or have a conversation even with anyone about something regarding God. And, and I like the fact that God inspires the author to actually use a word that we don't like... We don't like it. It's a four-letter word. <laughs> it is a four-letter word. He says, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. That, that, that's an interesting one. The, the, I thought about the idea of um, when he says, hey, don't be lazy about this stuff. It made me think about when you hear somebody say, hey, run through the tape. Right? If, if somebody's running a race, don't check up right when you're coming to the end. There are people that can give up a world record because they check up. They're in the lead so far, and they check up right before they go through the tape, and they give up a world record. There's other people that they think they're in the lead, and there's somebody that's just, boy, I mean, they're just coming right alongside them, and they check up right at the last minute and lose a race that fast. He says, don't be lazy. Don't run through the tape. All the way through your life, run through the tape. I remember hearing, uh, hearing a guy preach a message one time about, uh, you know, hey, when you get old and retire, you know, what are you going to do? And, and he, said, he said, I can't imagine that when I get old and retire that what I'm going to do spiritually is I'm going to say, all right, I'm done. I'm through pastoring. I'm through preaching. I'm through doing ministry. I'm going to walk along the seashore and collect seashells. He said, can you imagine if, if I had to stand before God and God said, so what would you do in the last years of your life? And he said, I said, look at my awesome seashell collection, God. You know, like God didn't make all that anyway. You know, he's, he said, man, I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, I'll retire and I won't be pastoring, I won't be preaching. But he said, man, I'm never going to stop and run through the tape. Run through the tape. Not only does it tell us that we don't need to be lazy when it comes to spiritual stuff, right? He says, I want you to have that same diligence. You're, you're, you're willing to work, you're willing to do stuff, but you need to have that same diligence. And he says, instead you need to be like those, be imitators of those who inherit the promises and gives two things that you're going to be able to inherit the promises through. And by the way, keep in mind that in this whole chapter, he's really been talking about salvation as one of those promises. And he says there's two things that are going to mark that you have or the, and that you are inheriting these promises. And the one is, he says, faith and in perseverance. And again, this ties into this whole idea that it's not just, well, hey, you pray a prayer and then you just go on, you're good to go for the rest of your life and, and you know, you never change, nothing ever happens. He says, you need to be diligent and be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. Being spiritually lazy just equates to a lack of perseverance. It equates to that. Um, 
I guarantee in almost every challenge in life, there will be there will be some point in most everything you do in life, if you're trying, you're going to find that it gets hard at some point. Whatever it is, or else you're not really trying to grow any, right? It, relationships, they will get, they, they, they get harder. Even while other stuff about them gets easier because the more things that you face, the more opportunity there is for you to be selfish or for you to not be. Well, if you're in the workplace and you're wanting to learn a new task, now you can be comfortable over here doing what you've always done, but if you decide, that, hey, I want to grow, I want to do something new, then it's going to challenge you. That can actually be one of the most amazing things is when, when you have someone else teach you how to do something. Especially if they're newer than you, if they're, you know, they have less time, but you've always done this other thing, and now they're going to show you something. Most of y'all know, because when I was a kid, it was parents trying to get you to program the VCR. And most of the folks in here that are under 20 don't even know what a VCR is. <laughs> Right now, if they saw it, it'd be Vicar, Vicar, what is that? I mean, you know, we're going, y'all know because you were going to get charged at Blockbuster when you didn't rewind. Be kind, rewind. That's what the sticker said, right? You know, and you went in there actually for it. What was the, it was the one over here right in this 202 Plaza. They used to have the one right there because all my parents would let us watch when we finally got a TV when I was 14. I watched all the Anna Green Gables because that was apparently the cleanest thing that was going, you know. The man from Snowy River, you know, he had that horse all reared up on the front of it. I thought that was the coolest thing. That's the only thing they let me watch. We'd walk in and be like, don't be looking at that stuff. <laughs> Y'all know you'd go in there and, and, oh, man, that looks like what we want to watch, and there's no ones behind it, right? Or the one that was behind it in the brown case, it was empty. Yeah. You know, that was the... So they were trying to convince, hey, you need to set the clock on that thing. And every time the power went off and the thing came back on, they, you know, my parents, they didn't know how to set that. They probably still don't know how to set that. But now y'all know us. Now, those of us in our 40s, 50s, you know, something, maybe a little more than that. You know, then, then, then we're looking and we're trying to get kids that are, you know, eight years old to tell us how to fix something on a cell phone or whatever. And you notice we even talk about it weird. Like we talk about stuff like the cell phone. <laughs> Y'all know? We sound old when we start talking about stuff. And I start realizing the older I'm getting, I'm like, man, I sound that way. I laugh because Michelle, the COVID. <laughs> She's like, when the COVID? <laughs> I'm like, dear Lord, we sound so old. We, we just do. Lord, let us live to be as old as we sound. You know, I, just, I hope that happens. You know, stuff's hard. There's challenges that you come across that, that you have a hard time. And, and if you will stop and let somebody teach you something, it's amazing. It'll humble you. It'll encourage them. But life's going to be that way, right? You're going to have to not be lazy. You're going to have to run through the tape. You're going to have to push hard. You're going to have to persevere. Here's one of the things. If, if we check up before we finish, if we check up before we finish, not only do we fail to hit the mark in something, it doesn't matter whether it's a project, whatever it is, but honest to goodness, you just wasted all the time that you did work to get it to that point. You could have been doing something else if you just really weren't going to do it, Right? You could, have, you could have spent that time doing something productive, seen it through or whatever. And so when we look at things in our lives and say, man, I know this is hard, this is hard, this is hard, this is getting harder. 
That's the way, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm going to detail, but that's the way the last two weeks it felt for me. I was just like, I need to. And God will check you. God will check you. God will send people to say stuff to you, you know, and, and God will just stop you in the middle of something and say, hey, you're not done. You're not done, right? And so you got to push through. Solomon understood what happens when you get lazy. God actually allowed him to uh, understand a, a real spiritual truth out of this through an everyday thing that he saw. Um, if, if you do have it pulled up on the app, you'll see Proverbs chapter 24. Solomon wrote this. Here's an interesting one. You've probably never heard this one preached, but I'm going to share it with you. Proverbs 24, verses 32 34. This is Solomon speaking. He says, I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Thistles had come up everywhere. Weeds covered the ground, and the stone wall was ruined. I saw and took it to heart. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. Wow. To Dennis's thing about, hey, you know, pay attention to nature and stuff like that. Solomon, see, that's a lot of what Solomon would look around at God's creation and he would see stuff and God would reveal spiritual things to him about everyday life. Jesus turns around and uses parables all the time to tell people about everyday life things so that they would understand spiritual things. Solomon looks and goes, man, can you imagine? He's out. He's king, right? He's out walking around, and, and he passes by this field, and he knows that guy is, for however reason, he knows that guy's a slacker. He knows the guy is showing that he has no sense when it comes to his business. And he sees thistles, weeds, the stone wall was ruined, and when he saw it, man, I took it to heart, and I received instruction. Now, we could... Go back and say, okay, Dennis, so you watched three squirrels playing around out there this morning. What did you learn? But, you know, because that's oftentimes you will see in Proverbs, hey, I saw the ant and I thought about this. Hey, I saw these and I thought about that. You know, so we learn stuff by paying attention. He wasn't just trying to be a tree hugger this morning, in case anybody was wondering. You know, he was actually telling God wants to show you things through what he has created. And Solomon said, hey, I, what I realized was when you get lazy, then stuff will come and destroy you. I can appreciate that because at, at the end of the day, what he's saying there is that perseverance is the same as endurance. And I want to give you some scriptures about endurance. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22 says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 24, verse 13, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. He's making it very clear. The author, as inspired by God in Hebrews, is saying, hey, I need you to understand. He's been talking about this whole stuff about salvation. He's saying God's not unjust. He's saying, hey, I want you to demonstrate that same diligence so that you can have final realization of your hope. Don't be lazy because you can be like those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. 
And then we see all throughout the New Testament that they're being told, you have to endure. That's one of the signs of that you have received the promise of salvation, is that you endure. It's not that you cried a lot. It's not that you came down and, and, and you shook somebody's hand or anything like that. It is, it is all about the heart. Even salvation is all about that. That's one of the evidences of that we have is that we endure. It's not that we walk perfectly on that path, but it is that we endure. I want to be clear that God wants you to have, He wants you to know that you're saved. If you have truly surrendered to God, He wants you to know that He does not want you going around constantly wondering whether you're saved or not. But I'm going to continue stressing that salvation is about change. The Bible says the old man dies and a new man is raised to walk in newness of life. That, that act of surrender will change your eternal destination, but it will also change you in the here and now. And I would tell you, if you are able to simply continue in the same lifestyle you had before you prayed some prayer, no matter how good or bad that your previous lifestyle might have been, and you're not changing, then yes, you should stop. And you should once and for all get before God and say, God, have I truly surrendered to you? Because God wants to change you. He loves you too much to leave you as you are. He's changing your eternal destination the moment that you receive Him, but He begins to shape and mold you from that point forward. And we cannot remain the same if we have truly laid down our sword, laid down our tools of fighting and resisting, and said, I surrender all. But God wants you to know that today. To help understand that, I want to share some words that Billy Graham actually wrote on this subject. I thought this was so good that I just, I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. Assurance comes through the evidence of a changed life. Ultimately, assurance is confirmed within us as we see God conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. All who have been born again will see clear evidences of a new life in Christ. While we never become perfect in this life, we will nevertheless experience a changed life. It is this inward transformation that provides strong confirmation of our salvation. The book of 1 John details what are the vital signs of our new life in Christ. The Apostle John writes, We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. In other words, we may be certain that we know Christ as we see within us a desired and willing obedience to God's Word. Likewise, John writes, Other vital signs will follow love for other people. Love for God, refusing the world, understanding biblical truth, righteous behavior, opposition from the world, and answered prayer. As we see this spiritual fruit produced in our lives, by the way, fruit takes some time to develop, right? We may be confident that Christ lives within us. Here are the four sturdy pillars on which the assurance of our salvation rests, giving full assurance of hope regarding our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. These pillars provide unshakable confidence of eternal life. Now, give me a quick background here. He was talking about, he was speaking this to a woman he met on a plane who said, how can I know that I'm saved? 
As I told the woman on the plane, we can be wrong about earthly directions, but not about our eternal destiny. In our salvation, we must be sure. Assurance of salvation is God's blessed gift for all who believe. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order, that's what Scripture says, that you may know that you have eternal life. Hebrews 6, he said, because it's impossible for God to lie. He talks about two, uh, King James says, two immutable things that they cannot be changed. And those two things are his nature and his unchanging oath. When God makes an oath and because of his nature to begin with, he says, hey, I use two things. He could have just said, because of my nature, I can't lie. But he gives the explanation here. He says, because that men know when they give an oath that that settles a dispute. He said, then God gave an oath and there was nothing greater that he could give an oath by than by himself because he is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, so I will make an oath by myself because I don't change and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this thing. He says, so you can seize the hope that is set before you. And so I asked myself when I read that, I said, well, well, that's great, but what's the hope that's set before us? Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 through 27. I have become its servant. Paul's talking about the church. I have become its servant according to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hebrews 6, when he said, I want you to, to, to for, demonstrate the same diligence for the final realization of your hope. And later down here, he says, we have this hope. That hope is Jesus. Now, I, I, I came across another scripture that I want you to, to hear, and it's Philippians 3, verse 12. Because you say, well, well you're going to take hold of this hope. Because it talks about this hope is an anchor that somehow, you know, it doesn't do you any good if you have an anchor, but it's not attached to the ship, right? You got an anchor and it's embedded in the bottom of the ocean floor, but it is not attached to the ship, then it will not hold you in position. But he says, we have this hope, and it's an anchor, and it's safe and it's secure. And he said, it's anchored in behind the veil. Well, what was behind the veil? For these guys, understanding the temple, they knew that the presence of God was what was back behind the veil. Because only the high priest could go in, and he could only go in once a year. But then when, when Jesus is on the cross and the, the heavens shake and lightning flashes and thunder roars and all this stuff, the Bible says that, that from, from heaven to earth, that the veil was rent in the temple. He opened up and he said, now you can boldly go before the throne. You can go into God's presence yourself. But why? Because in Hebrews 6, that Jesus has gone in there as our forerunner and he is our hope and that hope is an anchor and that anchor is attached to us so that it can hold us. Philippians 3.12 says, Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Now that sounds great, but I will tell you, I will not speak about you. I will speak about me. I don't always hold on to him as firmly as I should. I know I'm shocked. You know, you're shocked about that. You may go, I can't go to a church where the pastor does not hold on to God firm enough. Well, you can't go to church. <laughs> because there's none of us. 
There's none of us that hold as firmly as what we should. We always need to be increasing and growing, and, and we're always trying. But that's not enough. It's not enough to say, well, I'm going to do my best to hold on to Jesus. And that's why I have these problems when people are viewing their salvation as about you holding on to God alone. Because that is not the fullness of Philippians 3.12. He says, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. See, it went from just that it wasn't just that you're trying to hold on to Him, but the anchor is attached to you. He says, it's not just, so, so I'm going to show y'all something. Well, I need Luke. I was looking at Namath. I'm going to let Namath be the bad guy. I need Luke and Stephen. We're not going to socially distance in this moment. I'm sorry. So, so, so I, I, I need you guys right there. I need y'all to, to face each other. I know this is definitely not social distancing. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> so y'all ain't social distancing either. And I need y'all to, to, to put, your, put your arms across each other's arms. See, do, do this thing. And, and you lock on to his... Lock on to his arms. You lock on to his arms. All right, so we're going to hold on. Now, Damon's going to be the devil because that's what you always... You always... Because the devil's a lot smaller than you are anyway. I'm just... <laughs> Uh, see, the, the Bible doesn't say that he's a roaring lion who's going around devouring everybody. That's why the devil's so skinny. All right? Y'all catch that in a minute. It says he, he, he's like a roaring lion. So now Naaman is going to, as the devil, he, he's going to try to pull my man Luke a little bit by the shoulders and try to take him away from Stephen. Now, it, pull hard, son. Pull, you know. Now, okay, all right, all right. Now... <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I was like, then he went to laying on him. He was like, yeah, thank y'all guys. Y'all good. So, you notice one of the things that happens there is you notice that Stephen started, Stephen started leaning, leaning back. If you saw that real quick, he started leaning and, and, and pulling. And, so all of a sudden, it wasn't just Luke's ability to hang on to Stephen. Stephen was hanging on to Luke. See, that's why he's saying, he says, hey, I'm making every effort that I can to hold on to Jesus, but he has taken hold of me. And by the way, he never fails. He never lets go. He never loses his grip. In fact, the psalmist at one point said, I well nigh slipped, but you upheld me with your right hand. So you don't have to fall. You and yourself may be falling, but you're not standing on your own. Jesus isn't over here on the sideline going, there you fell down again. Now you may be slipping. Your feet may be flying everywhere, but it's kind of like one of your kids. You know, I saw some video the other day. Some kid came, came sliding down the slide, and another kid was coming flying right behind him. And it was talking about the extreme dads. And that dad, he comes running by. He snatched that little kid by the shirt and whoop, right at the last minute, whoo, Mary, that other one came by. And I thought when I saw that, I said, man. I said, that's close to like Jesus, except that Jesus didn't have to run over and find me. Jesus was there the whole time. And I might have been kicking and flailing and all that. And Jesus says, whoop, and snatched you right up out of, because he has taken hold of you. This hope, this Jesus He's made a way for you to enter the very presence of God. 
Then it says there, it says that he has done so as a forerunner. It says Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner. That word, forerunner, actually talks about the idea that it is someone who, it, it's early recon. It's someone who goes in, but the larger group is going to follow. So when Jesus is described as saying he has gone into God's presence as the early recon, and the rest of us, because it said he went on your behalf. So the rest of us are the one we're coming behind to enter into God's presence. The very presence of God is part of what Jesus did was made it where that we could connect directly with his Father because the Bible tells about it, we who were once aliens, right? And we were far off, but now we've been brought near and we've been put into the family. See, there's a lot of people that could come over to our house and I love a lot of y'all. You just don't have keys to my house, but my son does. And if I decide to adopt you in and you become joint heirs with my son, you're going to have access into my house. You're going to have access to come into my presence wherever I am. You can walk in there in the middle of the night. Dad, I need to talk to you. Because you have access as my son. And we've been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He went in first so that we could enter into the presence of his Father. And he paid the way so that we... The life that I live is not my own. It's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. God's not telling Jesus he can't come in. Today, I'm encouraged. I want, Jason, I want you to come. I want, I want you to come and, and help me out here. Today, I'm encouraged to do what I used to hear older generations say. I'd hear them say, I'm just going to keep on keeping on. And so I got three questions. I got three questions that I'm, I'm going to ask. One of those is just this. Do you know Jesus today? And I mean, have you sincerely and fully surrendered to your life to Him that's evidenced by change? Not evidenced by perfection, but evidenced by change. You go, Nathan, you're doing the same thing you did last week and the week before that. Yeah, you, you figured that out. Uh, the last three weeks or so have hit me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find you're gonna, you're gonna have to make a decision every week about do you know Jesus? However, we're gonna get to everything else. I, I need to know that if that if something happens when you leave here today, that I gave you an opportunity to say and challenge you, do you know Jesus? Not did, did you come down again. Not that you came down and shook a hand. Not that you came down and prayed some prayer and that was it. I'm talking about. You know. And God wants you to know in your knower, is what my granddad used to say. You need to know in your knower that you've given your life to Him and that you are wanting to pursue. It's not perfection. It's not perfection. Because if that was it, we'd all be in trouble. We're all starting out wherever we were in life, whatever it was that was going on in our lives. And now we're trying to become like Him but I'm asking you, question number one is, do you know Jesus today? And if you don't, then we're going to fix that. The second one is, if you know Jesus, have you gotten lax in your efforts on following him? He was speaking to believers here in this group. He said, hey, even though we are speaking this way, dear friends, in your case, we're confident that of better things connected with salvation. 
He says, but I don't want you to get lazy. I don't want you to stop persevering. I don't want you to not endure. I don't want you to get where you're not. And that's why Solomon thinks matters so much. Because when you stop being diligent in your spiritual life, stuff grows up over it. You don't keep that stuff cleared and focus on God and yielding fruit for God. Other stuff will grow up in there. Bitterness, hatred, just plain old sin. Have you gotten a lax in your efforts to follow him? Then we can fix that today. We can fix that because it's, it's about putting a stake in the ground with the power of God empowering you to do that and saying, all right, it's changing. Today, through God's strength, it's changing, and I'm going to get back on track. And the third question for somebody is, maybe you are, maybe, maybe you know Christ. You don't feel like you've been lax. But today, I believe this one. I believe that God, if you're that person, you're going, man, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pressing on strong. Not saying you think again that you're even doing that perfectly. But hey, I feel like I'm focused. And I'm, I'm trying to, but you're going to get a different sense of determination even today to say, I, we used to sing a song, I will not be denied. I will not be denied. You're going to say, hey, you know what? I want a, I want a new sense of that I am not going to be denied in my pursuit of following after God. Because, man, it's a lifestyle thing. This is not about, hey, we'll come do something on Sunday. That's cool. I love seeing you, man, because, you know, it's like having a family get-together. It's what it is, right? It's a family get-together in our Father's house. But you do life all week long. That's what this is. It's a, it's a life change. It's... Pursuing after God in everything that we do. It's in how you work. It's in what you watch. It's in what you talk about. It's in how you act. It's in how you do when you're at work. It's in how you work. If you're a crummy worker, you need to fix that today. You need to, you need to ask Jesus to empower you to be a better person at work. Because you're his, you're his ambassador. Right? Do you know Jesus? Have you gotten lax in your efforts? Are you determined to not be denied? Now, we're, we're fixing to pray, and, and uh, you know, man, if, if you feel like you need, to, you need to come down here and pray, if you need to pray where you are, whatever you need to do, I'm, I, you feel free to do it. So if you need to come down here and pray, somebody's going to come pray with you. They're not going to assume you don't know Jesus because you come down here to pray, right? You know, uh, they're just going to come and, and pray with you, and they're not going to try to get all in your business or whatever else, but we're going to try to support one another because we're trying to do this life thing together. Sometimes it's hard for every one of us, but we can make it to the end together through Jesus' help. He's put us here for one another, and ultimately, He's the one that will never leave you nor forsake you. That's more important than anything. These folks around you are important. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you that in moments and times like the last few weeks have been on so many fronts, and everybody here has some stories of what's happened to them in the last month, of things that just pile. You know, they just have to hear my story, but, but they have their own. And so, God, I know that it's, it can be just, life can be frustrating, life can stress us, life can, 
can make us wonder why and, and what's going on and what did I do and, and all of these things. But God, I know first and foremost what is most important is have we turned to your son, Jesus Christ, and said, I want you to be the Lord and Savior in my life. Because it's not about trying to get there and do all these things, but God, that I can surrender over to you and ask you to be the Lord and Savior in my life. And so God, I pray if there's a single person here today that has not that choice. You've presented, you, you've given the message, you've shared even yet again today that I want to be the Lord and Savior in your life. I want to I change you, I want to shape you, mold you. Every good and perfect gift, the Word of God says, comes from the Father above. And He never changes. There's no shadow, no, no shadow of turning in Him. God, I pray that You will help someone today to say, I need to know Jesus. And that they will just open their heart and say, God, I, I don't know exactly what it is I need to say. And God, I could, I could give a prayer today. I'm just not. I don't feel led to try to say, pray this prayer. God, what I feel led today is to say, just open your heart and talk to Jesus. And say, what's in, in your heart of what I don't know, and what I'm struggling with. And, and I promise Jesus will meet you there. God, if there are those that are sitting here and, and they've been lax, they've gotten lax in their spiritual life and gotten, gotten kind of spiritually lazy, and God, today they're going to drive a stake in the ground and say, no more. I'm not going backwards from this point. I can see where I am. I'm going to push forward. And they're going to recognize, God, that not only am I going to do a better job of trying to hold on to you, but I'm going to have confidence in the fact that you are holding on to me. And God, for those who have been pressing forward and they've really... God, just give us a fresh determination to say, I will not be denied. I won't be derailed from the purpose that God has put in my life. I won't be derailed from the plan. I won't let something take and move me off when you have given me a direction, when you have set me on the path and said, continue doing this. God, I will not let anything distract. I will not be denied. And Father God, I thank you. God, let us surrender all to you today. God, I know, I know right now, I know that you're ministering to our hearts. You're coming and binding up some hearts that are broken and, and that have been struggling with trying to move forward. Not move past, but trying to just move forward. God, I just speak that, that word right now that they will stop in this moment and recognize that while they have felt like, man, I just can't quite hang on. It's okay. Because you're hanging on to us. I do my best to take hold. But I know that he has already taken hold of me. Father God, I just give you all the praise and all the glory and honor. For you alone are worthy. And we pray and believe this in Jesus' name. And the church together said.